Well, happy Friday. We made it to the end of the week, our first Friday in December podcast. Happy to be welcoming Tim Miller back to the Friday podcast, the weekend podcast. How's your week been going so far, Tim? You know, Charlie, uh, my week's been going great. Uh, you know, much better than the week that I think some of the Republicans who endorsed Ye's week has been going by comparison. So I'm feeling pretty good. I didn't accidentally endorse or have dinner with any Nazis this week. So a huge step up. I had a nice little, uh, you know, went to the market last night with my daughter. Uh, we played some foosball against a 10-year-old. Uh, you know, met, met uh Watched a little bit of the football game, and I'm I'm pretty certain there wasn't any not there were not any no Nazis accidental. there. Okay, I want to work up to that because um, <laughs> what happened yesterday. You know, it feels like for the last five years we've all been waking up thinking we took crazy pills, and today for people waking up and looking at the picture, and I have, we have the picture in my in my morning shots uh, newsletter of of Kanye West uh, on the Alex Jones show wearing, what the hell is he wearing? He's wearing his black stocking mask over his head. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is bizarre for people who, you know, just a, a reminder that, I don't know, provocative. The guy is barking mad. I mean, he's decompensating <laughs> in, in, in real time. It's kind of brutal. But this all takes place in the same week that he, well, a week and a half after he dined with the former president of the United States. And, and of course, that was the Trump world's best spin about the whole um, Nick Fuentes neo-Nazi showing up for dinner, that their, their defense was, we didn't know that Fuentes was going to come. We just thought it was going to be Kanye West, because, and, I mean, because that's our defense. And I'm sure Kanye's just little dinner table chatter was, was very benign. Right? I mean, I doubt somebody that spent three hours shocking Alex Jones with his effusive praise of Hitler was just kind of, you know, talking about, I don't know, Tom Brady or something, the Bucks, the weather. So where do we start yeah. with this? The, the the fact that, and please do not misunderstand me here. So here you have this show with Alex Jones, Kanye West, and Nick Fuentes. And I'm, watch, I'm watching this thing and realizing, okay, this is how strange things are. This is how, by the way, we are not back to normal when Alex Jones is the most reasonable guy in the room. I mean, yeah, Alex... I, I, Jones is actually trying to help out Kanye West. I mean, should we start with that? Or should we start with the fact that the Republic House Republicans finally got around after all of this time to say, hey, maybe it's time uh, to take down the Kanye Elon Trump tweet that's been up Mm. for months now? Mm. Where do we start? I mean, it's hard to know where to start. There's a connection between all of these things, which is that you know, everyone that is hampered by this you know, are people that at some level enabled Trump, right? And or, or all the way up to actively supported Trump, right? And I, and to me, I think this is like the big takeaway. I mean, obviously, there's the Kanye meltdown element of it. Um, but uh, and, and the Alex Jones thing, I, I, it's, it does bear mentioning for the people that didn't suffer through it. And I, I really don't encourage people to suffer through it if they haven't already. Um, it is. Uh, oh, yeah, we have, we have some soundbite. You're gonna, you're going okay, to suffer. Okay, great. It. We're going to. Okay, so we'll get to that. Don't, don't make promises you can't fulfill here. Uh, okay, okay. <laughs> but to me, like the big takeaway is just everyone is tainted by this, and it was the most obvious thing to avoid possible. And this guy is having a public manic meltdown where he, uh, uh, not. I guess not even at the beginning dabbles in, but, but a pretty aggressive dabble in anti-Semitism from the jump, 
You know, and and you go back and you know, I pulled this up. The 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 media tour. If people don't remember all this, because I, I did a, my Snapchat show on this like a month ago, right? It's mm-hmm. like it was right. very clear this was. And the message of the Snapchat show was, this is dangerous. Like contrarian anti-Semitism, like leads to dark places. Like don't go down this path. Like reject this guy. And it was like the most obvious advice you could give. And and but that was that started. I, I did that show after his Tucker appearance, which was the beginning of the show. Uh, Tucker, this was my comment from earlier, described his interview with Kanye here as interesting, deep, provocative. Oh, yes. Such a deep, deep. such a deep, yeah, such a deep commentator. So Tucker starts this. And if you recall, Tucker cut out. He edited it out. Like he aired two hours of Kanye, but but, but they still cut out uh, some parts, you know, where he got like much more aggressive in his anti-Semitic remarks. So they all knew this. They all knew that he was playing the anti-Semitism game. They all knew that he was spreading hate. And yet still they aired two hours of his show on Fox News. Uh, did anybody quit? Like, did anybody just... quit over it on Fox? I don't think so. And it was that interview that the Kanye Elon Trump tweet, exactly. you know, is the House Judiciary GOP. I, I tweeted something like this at the time. There are a dozen plus members of the House Judiciary GOP. If you're on that committee, that Twitter account represents you. Did any of them say, you know, no, I don't think so. This guy that is spreading conspiracy theories and attacking Jews, like maybe we should maybe we should take that down. No, none of them did because they all are scared and they all now are tainted by Trump and tainted by Kanye and 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 they've learned horrible lessons the last 7 years which is like it's some kind of whatever sop to the media or to us never Trump cuck a leaks for them to just say like no some things are right some things are wrong this is wrong this guy is a no fly zone here but they did the opposite they jumped in they jumped in the ship because he was trolling the people they hated they learned fucking nothing in the last 7 years there's so many good points here, you know, in, including the fact, you know, the why, why is it relevant, uh, you know, who Kanye West is or who the president has uh, dinner with? Well, you know, it goes back to the, you know, um, being in the room where it happens. Who Who is in the room where it happens when Donald Trump is the president of the United States? I mean, we saw, you know, a group of, uh, you know, crackpots and nutters, uh, you know, brought into the White House during the Stop the Steal. And of course, that pattern is continuing. Even Rich Lowry, is writing, can you imagine who's going to be in the room in a second Trump term? You know, good point. But you remind me, um, it was like five Kind of a ago. good point. Kind, kind right. of a good point, I guess. I wish it would have been like, we need to do everything possible to prevent a second Trump term, up to and including supporting Democrats. But, you know. Yeah, I, that, there, there's, there's a lot of hand-waving kind going of on there. But, you know, you, you remind me, you know, the, about five minutes ago, Fox News, you know, Tucker Carlson decided that he was going to make Kanye West. They were going to make him a new right-wing icon. He was, you know, our celebrity icon. You know, they get a tingle up their leg. You know, we have this uh, billionaire ex-rapper or whatever who is, you know, saying things that we actually like. So what we're going to do is we're going to whitewash him. We're going to, you know, polish this turd and, you know, eliminate the stuff about the anti-Semitism, but then hold him up. I mean, they they were invested in building his brand, changing his brand, even though it was obvious that the guy was um, was having some serious problems, that he was nuts, that he's barking mad, as well as that he was peddling real hate. And so, you know, it, it all blows up when he brings Nick Fuentes uh, along. So, but what's interesting to me, and I'm going to play this, Alex Jones, who is one of the most vile conspiracy theorists and bigots in the world, one of the most deplorable human beings, leave aside his political and cultural impact. So he he wants to jump into this. He brings Kanye West and Nick Fuentes onto his show. 
and he's trying to uh, a, again clarify that well you know you're 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 clearly you're not hitler you're not a nazi right all of these you know left wing you know media types that are trying to say that you guys are nazis that's really not true <laughs> this is what's so weird alex jones is trying to help kanye west and this is how it went let's just play this well, that's right. You're not Hitler. You're not a Nazi. You don't deserve to be called that and demonized. Well, <laughs> I I see I I see good things about Hitler also. Oh. The Jew I love everyone, and Jewish people are not going to tell me you can love, um, you know, us, and you can love what we're doing to you with the contracts, and you can love what we're you know what we're pushing with the pornography. But this guy that invented highways, invented the very microphone that I use as a musician. You can't say out loud that this person ever did anything good, and I'm done with that. I'm done with the classifications. Every human being has something of value that they brought to the table, especially Hitler. Especially. Especially, especially Hitler. Hitler. Who I, Look, I'm not going to spend time fact-checking whether Adolf Hitler invented the microphone that we're using. I'm just going to leave that aside. Let's just stick to the. I mean, we can just hit. we can fact check it really quick. He did not. And yeah, he, he, he did not. to the microphone actually. Yeah, okay. yes, yeah. But forward. Jews are pushing pornography, whereas Hitler gave us microphones and the freeway. And in case there was he any also goes on to compliment Hitler's fashion. I know. Well, Which I thought it, was interesting, and it's a fashion magnate, kind of an inspo for him. Well, and the, and the Nazis, they did good things too. We have to stop dissing the Nazis all the time. The Jewish media has made us feel like the Nazis and Hitler have never offered anything of value to the world. As he goes on, Kanye says he doesn't like the word evil associated with Nazis. I love Jewish people. I also love Nazis. I mean, whoa. I mean, as I wrote this morning, how the hell is your week going? It, and even Alex Jones is, is going, okay, wow, this, this, is, this guy is nuts. Not to mention, what was with the fucking mask? Yeah. Okay, you're 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 my fashion go-to guy. Can you explain the fucking mask? So he's been doing the mask for a little while, and it is all I did about. Not this. Yeah, and it's all about. This is why Tucker uh, Tucker called him provocative, a provocateur. You know, I think it's part of being shocking. He wore the mask when he uh, at his I believe it was the Donda tour. I checked out of Kanye like uh, uh, and his music. I don't know in the college dropout era. I think so. I, I, so someone might want to fact check me on this. If it's wrong. I think it was his Donda tour. He would wear a mask or or he'd go down into the stadium and you know there would be like a little mystery around when he would come out. But I, I believe he had the mask on when he was wearing the White Lives Matter jacket. Anyway, uh, you know it's all about just uh, you know. Letting the fashion speak for itself, I think, is the best is the best way of putting it. And shocking people, um, so he does that. The I'm not uh, and, and that I'm takes Alex Jones. Uh, yeah, freaking people out, but I think that's part of it. No, Alex no. Jones creeped. though is also freaked out, like you. Oh, creeped. Yeah, yeah creeped, creeped, freaked, out, yeah, all the yeah, above. Cringe. Um, Alex is like you. I don't. You know, I don't know that Alex. A lot of these. A lot of these. You know, middle aged white guys, uh, conservatives. I don't think are very deeply versed in Kanye's musical oeuvre. So I, I think uh, he also didn't know this, uh, that it was coming. And so Alex, like, it's like, when are you going to take this thing off halfway through? I mean, multiple times, Alex Jones, the fucking disgusting ass pimple that like, you know, talked about the frogs making people gay. And in a we don't need to go down his list. Like multiple times, he's looking at Kanye like, 
dude, like you are off the deep end. Like, what are you talking about? At, he had, they had to gut it to commercial during one of his pro Hitler rants, you know, because Alex is just like, Alex starts laughing out of frustration of just like, what, like, really? Like, I'm trying to bail you out here and let you, you know, do the perfunctory. No, I'm not a Nazi thing. And you won't even, you won't even do that. Like, like, you know, Alex is versed in how you, well, he's finally failed, thank God, recently. But he's versed in how you walk this line of spreading hate, spreading conspiracy, you know, while leaving enough gray or enough doubt to prevent you from, you know, getting sued or fully, you know, thrown overboard. And uh, and Kanye had no interest in that. Well, and e- even Elon Musk um, had to decide that, hey, maybe content moderation is not such a terrible idea after all, after... Kanye posted this bizarre image of a star of David with a swastika inside of it, mm. sort of blending them together. And he says, yeah, that that's kind of it. Um, you're resuspended, which, of course, he's now being dragged on online. You well, you were supposed to be a free speech absolutist. And, you know, it, it's very interesting watching, you know, the various convolutions. And you know, it does lead to an interesting question yeah. on the content moderation, because there are a lot of people on Twitter that post memes that have uh-huh. swastikas in them. So are they all going to get banned now? Right. Uh, and this shows that Elon like thought about this with the depth of of like a five year old when he bought Twitter and he literally yep. bought it with a 420 joke um, as the price. So, and this is despite the fact that people, you know, his fanboys want to turn him into some super genius and he might have some genius qualities. Like this was not one. This was an impulsive, he's an impulsive child. So what, and, what's a 420 joke? Well, 420 is a number that stands for smoking pot. Yeah. So and so when he offered Twitter, he made, he made his official offer uh, of his price that he was going to buy it at was $54 and 20 cents a share. Uh, because because it was 420 was the last three digits like that was not he did not have his business guys you know take a look of the EBITDA or whatever it is and like look at the look at what the revenue was and make a determine on value valuation no he made a joke about marijuana um and his purchase so a weed little weed joke um pretty funny uh but uh anyway so he, he makes that purchase and 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 he's just like a child. It's like, oh, we need free speech. Oh, free speech. And and now you know he banned Alex Jones already because he has you know personal issues with anybody who'd screw with dead children. Okay, that's a that's a okay. reasonable human's impulse. But now he's banned Yay. And what Yay tweeted the swastika. Trust me, there. If you if you want to go search it on Twitter today, you can find plenty of swastikas. If you look at the trending topics, they're almost all about Nazis right now, which is heck of a job, Elon, on that. And and there was Richard Spencer, the old Nazi. You might not remember him because we're kind of uh, we're, we're sort of moving through our our <laughs> Nazi children <laughs> leaders. But Richard Spencer, the previous Nick Fuentes, had a Twitter space going yesterday, a pro yay Twitter space where people met and were chatting about this. So so why isn't that banned? In some ways, if you take Elon's logic to its conclusion why would you ban kanye right and if you're gonna ban kanye then you do need to rehire all your moderators and ban the other people that are posting nazi stuff why is yay treated any differently than just some random 19 year old shit posting nazi from you know north carolina so awkward so complicated who could have possibly known that this was going to not work out well who could have possibly seen it uh, coming so i know that you get the same thing that i get that there are those uh, of of our listeners who 
think that we are sometimes perhaps a little bit too cynical because you look at what's going on right now, and and I think it's reasonable to say that, you know, Donald Trump has had a bad couple of weeks. This is really terrible. You know, this is there's a turning point. He's got no momentum coming out of the, the announcement. Uh, he's facing these legal problems. Uh, he actually dined with a Nazi, and his defense was, no, I meant to dine with this other guy who's now a Nazi. <laughs> and so there's the feeling, well, this is going to be the turning point. But you and I have been through this so many times, right? I mean, it... We, we thought this after January 6th or after the election or after Charlottesville or after, you know, I, I like people who weren't captured. It's happened so many times before. Is there any real reason to think that this is different? And I think that there are reasons, but what do you think? I mean, in, in terms of, I mean, again, again, this is burned into my psyche. I'm guessing it's burned into your psyche as well, right? You know, all those moments you thought he can't come back from this. This is going to be too bad. And yet he always does. So give me your handicap this. Different, yeah. same old what? Well, so I think that there are two levels to this, right? Is it different in its impact on Donald Trump? And are there an increasing number of people within the party that maybe are not willing to say, oh, man, I really made a mistake associating with all these Nazis and like, you know, the guy in the hot dog suit being like, we're all looking for the guy that uh, did the crime wearing the hot dog suit. Like maybe it was me that was uh, part of the problem. I don't think we're going to get that right. Cause you know, people don't like to admit their own faults, but are we getting enough people that are saying even Republican rank and file, but like we like winning all this crazy shit is not helping. Like it might be time to move on. Yeah, I think possibly. Um, your uh, fellow Badger Stater, what do you guys call yourselves? Wisconsinites? Cheesehead. Cheesehead. Your fellow Cheesehead, yeah. Charles Franklin, had his yeah. holster, had a pull out, a uh, national Republican poll, had a 60 40 DeSantis and a head to head. That's possible. I've always said I thought that Trump had a 35 or 40 solid base within the party and that DeSantis, you know, the whole DeSantis idea is based on uniting like that other 60 the majority of which actually like Trump, but could, would be open to moving on. So maybe he, he will achieve, maybe he's on path to achieving that. But okay, so that's what's one step. That'd be a good step, by the way. If there's just some progress that's like, hey, maybe we're not going to take a moral stand here about our association with bigots and hate mongers and anti-Semites, but just as a practical step, we're going to kind of like try to make sure that they hang out over there in the corner because they're hurting our brand. Okay, I, that's something. It's better than nothing. It's not. It's not bringing me back into the fold. You know, it's not. A, I don't think that that's what they need to do as a party. But but I think that that's progress. Uh, but here's the thing: you can have that progress while also just being clear-eyed about the fact that they're not actually learning anything. Here's what something I'm just eyeing here coming up December seventeenth to twentieth. I was texting with a friend. Friend is the wrong word. Former colleague that works mm -hmm. for a Republican candidate that's attending this thing. And they were upset about how I was tarring the whole party for their associations with Kanye. They're like, it's not my boss's fault. And I'm like, actually, it is. Here's an event that your boss is speaking at coming up. 2022, December. Charlie Kirk is there. Tucker Carlson, Steve Bannon, Candace Thank Owens, you. Matt Walsh, Tim Poole, Jack Posobiec. These are all the people that were promoting Kanye. 
Okay, who's who's speaking with them at the same time? Yeah. They will you know, all Steve, be Kanye in five minutes too. Yeah, Steve yeah. Hilton, who has a who has a weekend Fox show and was supposedly one of the normal, you know, independent-minded tech guys, right? You know, Eric McTaxis is there, Mike Lindell, and Republican politicians are going to that, right? So, okay, until until there is a recognition that no, this is not some one-off dude who like got had a manic episode and started talking Nazi stuff. The problem with Trump is not that he's not electorally viable anymore, which is Mitch McConnell's critique of Trump's Nazi dinner. Like the problem is that we keep associating and providing platforms for this hate speech and that our voters are responding to it and that nobody has the balls to actually stand up and say to them, no, we are not going to do this anymore. Like, like our, America is better than this. We're a pluralistic country, blah, blah, blah. The kind of shit that John McCain, et cetera, used to say. There's nobody out there saying that. Nobody out there is making a, a moral argument for this. So you, you can hold two thoughts in your head at the same time, which is, yeah, this is damaging Trump in a meaningful way. But but no, it doesn't feel like the Republican Party has learned anything from it, besides that Trump is like electoral poison. So let's go back to this poll that came out that you mentioned, the Charles Franklin poll. This is the Marquette University law poll, which is highly respected in Wisconsin, mainly because it's almost always right. Um, I mean, it just nails one election after another. And it does national polls now. And the one that came out yesterday was interesting because it shows DeSantis running much better against Joe Biden than Donald Trump. Donald Trump is trailing by 10 points. DeSantis runs even. Uh, also, the approval ratings for DeSantis are pretty high. Um, he's got a 68 percent approval rating among the DeSantis, among uh, re Republicans. Um, so these are the kinds of things that actually I think are more likely to move the needle with Republicans than whether or not Donald Trump is you know, throwing insane crap up against the law, you know, might yeah. have engaged in a seditious conspiracy or dines with Nazis. They're willing to swallow the Nazis, the sedition, the corruption, all of that. But a poll showing that, you know, you're the one guy that's going to get waxed in 2024, that appeals to what's left of the moral sentiments of the Republican Party, isn't it? Yeah, maybe. I, this is another kind of known unknown, right? Which is, that was true in 16. Right. It wasn't quite this dark where, like, you know, Marco was tied and Trump was losing by 10 or whatever. But Marco was polling better head to head against Hillary than Trump was. Right. Yep. And that didn't persuade enough people. I used to make this argument. I cringe at myself. Actually, I went. Heilman did this to me when I went and did his podcast. He played some old clip of mine from, you know, his show that he had on Bloomberg in 2015. And it was me making the argument that Republicans should vote against Trump in the primary because he can't win. Yeah. Um, which obviously ended up turning out to be wrong, but also was like, just that just goes to show I was the spokesperson for the anti-Trump pack at the time. So, so that was the messaging we thought worked, right? So maybe that will work better this time. Um, you know, now that they've already seen him lose, but then the problem is you got about 30%, which isn't enough to win a primary. You got to get beyond that. But there's about 30% that don't believe he lost, right? That don't believe the polls, that don't believe anything, right? So, so I, I think that, yes, that has an impact on the margins. And if that holds through, you know, might end up being his death knell because obviously that is compelling in a way to Republican voters in a way that like the FBI raiding his house isn't because, you know, the FBI must be politicized and, and woke or whatever. Well, I also think there's cumulative fatigue with, with all of it. You know, the, there's yeah, the accumulation sure. of it, which, and you just mentioned the FBI raid on his house. 
Trump continues to lose in the courts. It is really a remarkable losing streak. What's really interesting about it is not only was it was it a complete slam dunk ruling. I mean, it was, you know, just dripping with contempt for the ruling, but it was written by three judges who were all appointed by Republicans. The chief judge there is William Pryor, who's very, very conservative, former attorney general of Alabama. The other two judges on the panel were actually appointed by Trump. And they just dropped from a great height on Eileen Cannon. I mean, they threw out her whole ruling. She had said she had no jurisdiction. The whole special master thing is is done. And I posted a link to the whole decision, which I would urge people to read uh, because it's very, very clear and it is absolutely definitive. But for those of you that don't have time to do that, here's a shorter version, I think, Tim, of what the okay. appellate court was telling Judge Cannon yesterday. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Charlie, a uh, pop culture reference from after 1958. That movie was in color. I know, okay, I know so that one. No, oh, oh, there wasn't nope. any musical bits in there. That's okay. great. Billy Madison, I have to say, this is one of my favorite cuts of all time. And I have to confess that I always, when I was uh, on talk radio many, many years ago, I always had this queued up for that special caller. <laughs> and so, so, and I, ex I expressed no regrets for this, but there were times when callers would call up and they would make some absurd point. And rather than respond, I would just simply play that cut <laughs> on the air. So this is, the, this is a chance for me to go back to my roots, the golden oldies, but that was intense. And now, I mean, you want to talk about a bad week for Trump. I mean, this is the same week that you yeah, have the federal court jury come back and convict the leaders of the Oath Keepers of seditious conspiracy. I mean, not just disorderly conduct or violence, seditious conspiracy. And yeah. a few days later, Trump loses this particular case. If you're the new special counsel, Jack Smith, and I'm sorry to use this cliche, but maybe you come up with a better one. I mean, you want to talk about, you know, wind filling your sails at the moment. I mean, it's, this is, uh, there's some momentum here and it may, again, it may not matter for the re Republican core voters, but shit's coming down. I mean, you, you can, you can feel it. I mean, the new year, you're going to see an avalanche of shit headed toward Mar-a-Lago. What do you think? Firstly, you know, I thought the, your podcast with Ben Wittes over at Lawfare earlier this week was excellent. So if people skipped that one, they should go back and listen to it for actual expertise on this uh, sort of stuff, which I'm not bringing to the table. Uh, I, I will bring, you know, more of a political eye to it, which is I was always very hesitant to get falsely exuberant over news coming from the courts. And I still feel that my dream, the champagne that I have on ice, you know, for the Donald Trump perp walk and conviction probably will stay on ice. Yeah. You know, I just think that there are a lot of myriad challenges that make it hard to effectively prosecute and convict a former president. That said, like uh, the amount of different between the documents case 
Georgia, the private case regarding his businesses, the tax returns, you know, uh, ruling that just came down in addition to the Nazi dinner, in addition to people turning on him. I think about old the the people who jumped out of the barn early on the 2024 endorsement, like Elise Stefanik, you know, and like, ooh, Ooh. you know, it's it it definitely feels like there's been a series of, of good news for those of us on the side of righteousness. We should enjoy and celebrate that. The heat is is on him in a way that you know. There's kind of this cliche um, that that you know people would would make fun of the resistance Twitter types who are always like the doors are closing yeah, in on right. Trump and like the doors aren't really closing in. But man, there are feds coming through doors all around him, and we should appreciate and enjoy that. And and I think that that is going to reflect his behavior. And I think that his political standing is hurt. And I think that it's hurting the entire Republican Party's political standing. And so to your question earlier about whether i don't know the trump monster is coming back and it's going to rise from the dead i don't know but i i you know we do know in this moment that that it's been a nice little run for those of us on the side of democracy it'd be nice to hear from just one person that was like you know you guys really had this right it turns out <laughs> i think like, it would be nice for nah. one person to say that uh because it is kind of true so we just can say it to each other charlie because i feel like we always knew we were right but boy the evidence just keeps piling up in our favor doesn't it well and it has for a long time now so yeah, that's true you know we've been acutely right this week that's right. been a but low it, level of rightness for a long time it it does feel that that moral vindication, however, is sort of like is the equivalent of a participation trophy, right? Okay, so hey, here's your little you know certificate of moral vindication, but let's move on to to something else. I I like my certificate, so okay. Can I just can we get a can we frame one? Can somebody send one to me and I can frame it and put it up next to the pinto bean? I wouldn't mind that. Like it's something. So I wanted to talk to you about also your piece from earlier this week. Oh, yeah. You had a really interesting piece about all the anti-anti-Trumpers who are, you know, who are now saying this is terrible. We need to not do this uh, again. But you people who have been right all along, you need to get on board with us now and support DeSantis. So you wrote a letter to the DeSantis fanboys from a real network Trumper. I actually have to admit that I was I was a little surprised. Let me just put it away. My eyebrows, to the extent I have any eyebrows, went up when you basically got to the point saying that, you know, if it came down to it 15 days before the California primary and it's a binary choice between Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump, uh, you're going to go in there and you're going to vote for Ron DeSantis. But this is after all of the things that you're not going to do. So tell me about, you know, why you wrote this piece. Give me the background of this. Well, the background was really kind of driven by um, there have been a series of National Review articles recently, including one uh, trying to tell everyone else not to run for president um, except for Ron, because people need to circle the wagons around the person that can beat Trump for the good of the party. You know, I don't have that piece in front of me, so I don't have this direct quote, but the, the sentiment was like being a good governor and somebody with integrity is not enough. Right. For running for president. Like you gotta, you gotta also be able to win. Right. So, you know, we appreciate your service, but, but that's not going to be good enough. So just, just don't get in and make problems for the rest of us. If you are just uh, a Larry Hogan or an Asa Hutchinson or Brian Kemp or Chris Sununu type. Mm -hmm. And that just pissed me off. 
And I was just like, fuck you guys, you know? And so I had Twitter to tweet. You always get in trouble on Twitter criticizing them for that article and another article about how they're unmistakably anti-Trump. Like, are you sure? Is it unmistakable? And and I just, there was a pile on on me from everyone on that side, you know, anyone that is even one iota to the right of the dispatch mm-hmm. to, you know, being like, oh, never Trumpers are grifters and you guys are all going to actually be rooting for Trump and you love Trump because he helps you get attention and, and you're just as bad. And I just... I could tell that this was going to happen now for the next year and a half. And so I just wanted to lay it all out on a piece of paper, which was actually, no, I'm not. You know, we have actual beliefs. Those of us that went anti-Trump, we have red lines. You know, we are not maneuvering and moving our red line when it's convenient. And here are mine. And here is what I plan to do. If it does turn out that it is just Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump running against each other, and I'll, I will lay that out for you so that it, next time you try to troll me, you can just come back to this one article and review what I said I would do and what I said I would not do. That's the backstory. Well, it's interesting, you know, how deeply invested they are in, in Ron DeSantis. I mean, we've described National Reviews has now become a fanzine for Ron DeSantis. And, you know, the piece you're talking about Literally. basically says, yeah, no one else should run. Yeah, I'm not being just cheeky. And you can just go if you, if you want to punish yourself to like they have a, a Ron DeSantis tag. You know, which is how I linked to all these articles. I mean, mm-hmm. it is, it's insane. I mean, it, it is honestly, I think like RT has been harsher on Putin during the war effort <laughs> than National Review has been on Ron DeSantis during his time as governor. So, well, I don't want to break their hearts, but I just remind people that two years out, you know, front runners do not always, you know, become president, you know, and ask Fred Thompson or, or Rick Perry or, or your boy Scott Walker. Yeah, exactly. There's there's a lot. Mark Leibovich has a great piece in The Atlantic suggesting that, you know, he, he might not wear that well when people get to know him. In fact, I'm going to have Mark on the podcast next week. But it is interesting that we're two years out and they're already saying we need to clear the field for this guy who has never been remotely tested on the national stage. No. So there's the political element to this, which is like, you have no idea if he's going to actually be able to pull <laughs> this right. off or not, right? We're too, no it's Thanksgiving idea. 2022. We're clearing the field for somebody in Thanksgiving 2022. It's just absurd in its face, okay? <laughs> just, just as a political matter. I said this on the Next Level podcast. Like, this is a calculation for fall of 2023. You know, if you want to start putting the pressure on somebody who feels like they're being a spoiler or whatever, okay, like, this is what I did. I wrote that article in the Democratic primary about Bloomberg, right? Which was yeah. like, okay, you had your chance. You know, you got on the debate stage, Elizabeth Warren smacked you down, and now Go you're just away. playing a spoiler for Bernie. Go away, right? That's the appropriate time to do this. But to say that Brian Kemp or Asa Hutchinson, or Chris Sununu, none of whom are exactly my cup of tea, by the way. So this is not like me being wanting to go work for them or being a fanboy or even saying I'd vote for any of them in a general. I'm not sure that I would. I probably wouldn't, actually. But they all at least had an iota of integrity over the last seven years. And it just doesn't make any sense to say Donald Trump is toxic Donald Trump is political poison for the party. Like Donald Trump is a Nazi collaborator. And so what we have to do in order to beat him is to anoint someone that has never criticized him right. a single time. Including this week. Yeah, including yeah. right now up to the Nazi dinner that happened in his state. A former president had dinner with a Nazi in Ron DeSantis' state, and he hasn't had the courage to say anything. Apparently and like, two Nazis. 
Yeah, two Nazis. <laughs> two Nazis. And, you know, there are people, there's some former Mitch McConnell staffer tweeting saying like, oh, well, you guys are just trying to bait him and hurt him. And this is bad strategy. It's bad strategy for him to engage. I'm like, it's bad strategy to say don't have dinner with Nazis if you're a former president. Are we sure that's yeah. bad strategy? I don't yeah. think so. I, I think that Ron DeSantis could just be like, eh, I don't know. If I'm president or even as governor, I'm not having any Nazis over to dinner. I, I don't think that's going to hurt him that much. I, I really don't. And if it does, I think that that says something deeply disturbing about the Republican base. It's another conversation. Well, the people complaining about this are basically also saying, please don't don't test Ron DeSantis. Yeah. Let, let's not poke to find out what what his metal is, how he's going to yeah. handle let's protect controversy. The let's let's protect him. Then we throw him onto the public stage and then we'll find out what he's I mean, bad strategy, bad politics. So they're trying to protect him, saying that he you know, shouldn't have to engage in any of this. And, and I guess my, my point is, okay, I don't know. Let's actually see, right? And maybe if Trump is so weak, he should not be replaced with somebody that like cut an ad, you know, where he's reading to art of the deal to his baby. Like literally this Ron DeSantis ad, which is in the article, if you haven't watched it, people should go back and rewatch it. I, I mean, Joe Biden, is, if he's the nominee or whoever the Democrat nominee is in 2024, could like air this ad in, in Arizona. It's <laughs> just like I'm going to air the ad that Ron DeSantis aired in like unedited in his in his primary. I mean, if if if, DeSantis, if Trump is that toxic, then then shouldn't somebody who is less tainted by his toxicity at least be able to try? And, and all of these guys who claim to be anti-Trump, who you know all these anti-anti-Trumpers are like, no, no, we need to scare these people off, the people that have had some integrity in order to protect precious little Ron. And so I, I'm like, no, fuck that. Fuck you. And and criticizing Ron for his cowardice is not helping Trump. It is very early in the process. And, and that is why, just to demonstrate some credibility, I was like, if it gets to the point, if we get to the point where it really is a binary choice between Ron and, and Trump, and at that point, Ron has not gone full Nazi, because I don't know. I mean, a number of other MAGA people seemed seemed at least to be on team normal and then like went down the slide over to Nazism. So assuming he doesn't do that, okay, you know, then he's clearly better than the person that tried to end our democracy and people should hold their nose and vote for him in the primary and then go against him in the general. Like fine, I will I'm happy to concede that. But that is a calculation for spring of 2024, not fucking Thanksgiving. And I will not be lectured to by people who have shown absolutely no courage or no balls over the past seven years about what it means to be an anti-Trumper. So that, that's my rant. So let's do something a little bit counterintuitive because I want to get into some wonky sure. stuff here for a moment um, and also talk about uh, Georgia. I mentioned this with Dana Milbank yesterday during our podcast. It is remarkable this week to watch what's going on in, in the Capitol and you and I have spent lots of time talking about, you know, Democrats, uh, you know, forming circular firing squads and the various dysfunction of the factions, et cetera, to watch the way they have coalesced behind, you know, Hakeem Jeffries and this, this new, much younger leadership team, you know, in juxtaposition with the absolute gang warfare that's going on over on the Republican side. I mean, you know, to, to use the cliches again, you have Republicans in absolute disarray. And Democrats very much in array. And I can't, I can't remember the last time, you know, a party that just lost control of a house was as unified as the Democrats are right now. Now, again, everything that we talk about is temporary, but, it, yeah. but, it, but it's worth at least marking that this is kind of a, an unexpected moment, isn't it? I mean, it's, it, and we ought to, we ought to acknowledge it. 
I think so. And I think it's a question of whether Jeffries will be as skilled, you know, once Pelosi, et cetera, move off stage right, you know, to to keep that together. But I, I think that, you know, it, it again shows Pelosi's strength as a leader compared to the Republican leaders of late. And that I think that, you know, she could kind of bestow a successor and have there not be really meaningful objection to it. It also, once again, reveals, I have plenty of disagreements with some of the squad's tactics and various things. We, we went round and round on their tactic around BBB, for example. Yeah. But most of the time, like, they've been kind of team players, actually. It's And, you know, there's this, like, meme on the right that it's like, oh, the left is, like, they're puppets for the squad. And it's like, well, I don't know, you know, there have been cer- give and take. There's certain things that, that Biden has moved left on. But a lot of times they've gotten in line. It's it's interesting to note that there's not like a Rashida Tlaib challenge or anything to Hakeem Jeffries. So anyway, it's just worth observing. It is. Yeah. On the right, though, I just I just pulled this up. There's a group called the House Accountability War Room I started following that's monitoring Kevin McCarthy that listed out the concessions that he's made already to the right in order to get the 218 votes that he doesn't have yet. He's committed to investigate the January 6th committee and the supposed mistreatment of January 6th attackers. Now, I kind of refuse to believe that he's actually going to do this. I just, uh, you can't be this stupid. Is, is it possible? I mean, Kevin McCarthy is dumb as a box of rocks, but is he really so stupid that he would start the new Congress by relitigating January 6th? Yes. I, I, if he does that, yes. I, yes? Okay. I yes. mean, that, honestly, that would be, I would feel bad for the Democratic staffers who have to like hire lawyers or whatever uh, for this. But besides that, it is an absolute present. It's like a cake ha- handing to the Democrats if he does that. Okay. He's also promised to restore Marjorie Taylor Greene and Paul Gosar. Do to it. Speak of our, yeah, speak of our Nick Fuentes problem. You know, D- Donald Trump headed over to dinner. Well, let's get two, Nick Fuentes two favorite members of Congress and give them a promotion. Okay, so we're getting back into the bed with the Nazis. Can I just interject here? Because, yeah, please. (laughs) You know, you you and I have both been doing this long enough that there was a time when people on the right would mock resistance Twitter, resistance commentary, because, you know, oh, you people are always using words like fascist and Nazi. And it was, okay, we need to be a little bit restrained here. That's what would made I thought yesterday was so hilarious. Like Alex Jones, like, you're, this is crazy because you're not Nazis, right? Well, wait, no, actually we are. We are actually. Yeah, we are. We actually are Nazis. So I have spent the last- the two people that are the most friends with the Nazis, give them a promo. So I've exercised uh, as much restraint as I can um, with with mixed uh, success in not comparing everything that's going on to Adolf Hitler, right? You don't want to you don't want to play the <laughs> Hitler card. You don't want to play the Nazi card. You want to have, you have a daily podcast. You know, you can't do Hitler every week. No, you can't do Hitler. And it says that what is that law? Is it the moment you Godwin's admit, law? You know, Godwin's yeah, law. Yeah, Godwin's law. The, you know, the first person that that invokes uh, Hitler or Nazis, you know, basically has lost the argument. And so I've always kept that in the back of my mind. And there's Kanye West and Nick Fuentes and Donald Trump going, no, no, that's, yeah, Nazis. <laughs> what the hell? Go on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll go the rest of this list quick. But so he's going to give a promo to the Nazi diners, MTG and Paul Gosar, and then take off from their committees, Elon Omar, Eric Swalwell, and Adam Schiff. It's like, mm-hmm. I mean, okay. Then he is going to look into impeaching Secretary Mayorkas. We'll figure out a reason afterwards. And Chip Roy is demanding that the Freedom Caucus gets more power in promoting the agenda. He's agreed to that. I mean, laptops, like, laptops. this is moronic. In addition to just the fact that, like, here's where I thought you were going, where Republicans yeah. used to say. The conservatives, the Tea Party conservatives, I mean, they were always nihilistic assholes, it turns out. But at least back in the 2010s, 
they would pretend that their demands on Boehner were like based on some kind of conservative principle, right? Like we need to cut spending, you know, we need to shut down the government to cut spending or, you know, we need this on immigration. Like none of these demands are even about policy. It's just about like this, like Twitter lib owning. And and well, so and Hunter's laptop, laptop. And Hunter, yeah. Why why are you not talking about the laptop? You're not talking about the laptop. Tim Tim Miller never talks about the laptop. I just like saying laptop. But we, we, that's that's going to be one of those words that the problem is is that they think this is their magic bullet. And I I think there's a very real possibility that uh, the term uh, Hunter's laptop is going to be a uh, is going to be a punchline um, by May. Again, well, Benghazi became a punchline, and Benghazi yeah. was a legitimate thing. At some, I, you know, they made it illegitimate by how many, you know, by like your twenty eighth hearing on it, right? It's like okay, you know, but but it was legitimate at least. I, the Hunter laptop thing. Hunter wasn't even in government. He's the kid, right? So this is about. You think that this is what was this really what you learned from your sweep in these key Senate races: Nevada, New Hampshire, Arizona. Uh, it seems like Georgia. We'll see. You know, Pennsylvania. You think that the voters that voted you out care about investigating the mistreatment of January 6th attackers and Paul Gosar's committee assignments and Hunter's laptop? And are you fucking insane? Who are they even talking to? It's just like they're in this hermetically sealed bubble of Tucker Carlson show. That's exactly what it is. Okay, so you mentioned you mentioned Georgia, and of course, uh, I am out of the prediction business. But I have to say that the Georgia runoff, uh, which is next uh, week, it, it certainly doesn't look like the Republicans have gotten their act together down there. I mean, Herschel is not like rising to the moment. I mean, I, look, I, anything can happen. I, I see the, the New York Times has, an, has a piece, you know, how Herschel Walker can still win. But number one, there's concerns that he's not campaigning enough. He apparently took uh, five days off during the, the holiday. Uh, he's being outspent tremendously. He continues to say incredibly stupid things about werewolves and vampires. Barack Obama, did you ever watch any of the, that, uh, that speech that uh, Obama gave? I caught a couple minutes of it. He's good. That guy's good. If they could just, if he could just change his name to Barry Soweto and put on a mustache and run again, that would that might help the Democrats a little bit. It is interesting that we're also in this this little interesting moment where Donald Trump is too toxic, Joe Biden's approval ratings are too low, and so the most effective surrogate in the country right now is Barack Obama. Yeah, and he he's got the juice back. He does. You can tell he's having fun out there. He likes doing it. He was actually funny. He's loose. He's just, he just carves up Herschel Walker. So there's going to be a lot of agita. If Herschel Walker goes down and uh, the Democrats get 51 seats, all of this sort of bad mood among Republicans, I think, you know, you have to ratchet it up a couple notches, don't you? What's going to happen next? Well, I don't, I don't I think that it's baked in that he's going to lose, so? actually. Um, I don't know. I don't know how much to, to ratchet. I don't think that Republicans expect that he's going to win. I don't I don't get the sense that they do. And, you know, he needed to have Brian kept dragging across the line. And that's really what he needed was to win on the original election. I do just want to say this is uh, I made a I made a flub on our other podcast where I said that the primary was Saturday. I got it mixed up. The SEC championship game is on Saturday and the primary is on Tuesday. And in my brain, I was just thinking about these two big Georgia events and I transposed them. So if you're in Georgia, please don't go vote on Saturday. Go on Tuesday. Um, when the actual election is, you know, look, the early vote you can overanalyze. It's interesting that about 5% of the early vote is people that didn't vote in the midterm. Mm-hmm. And over half of that group is under 30. So that doesn't necessarily mean everything. But what it does mean is you can just already tell that there is this energy on the left about 
okay, let's finish the job here and, and about shutting down this about Herschel and turning out for Warnock. So you got that. And then you got the people that I wrote about in Georgia, these Kemp Warnock voters. That they, had a, they had a brother group, you know, which was people that were Kemp reluctant Walker voters, right? Um, and are those people really going to show, you know, for this midterm? People that, like, are your classic you know, buckhead Republican types that that didn't really like Herschel Walker in the first place. He embarrassed them and, you know, did, did like Kemp, did think Kemp did a good job. Like, are they going to go out and vote again for Herschel? Just stand right. alone. And you saw Jeff Duncan say he couldn't do that. Lieutenant Governor is kind of the stand-in yeah. for him, uh, you know, said he wouldn't do it. And so I think that they're going to be, you know, a, not, a, not a million Jeff Duncans, but one or 2%, right? So to me... I'm also not in the prediction business. I've been bad at it, but just it does not. It feels like um, you know it, 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 it's it's going the other way. And Warnock, just one last thing on this. Warnock yeah. deserves credit. Has just run a really strong campaign. And the contrast between him and Abrams, and I wrote about this in the article, but it's just a good lesson for Democrats. Is is him and Abrams? I don't think it disagree on anything policy wise. I mean, maybe there's one issue that you could find. You know, if you went down an issue list, but but Warnock's campaign had this brand and this vibe and this energy of if you're a suburban swing voter, if you're somebody who used to be a Republican, you can trust me. I'm bipartisan. I'll work with Republicans when I need to. You know, I haven't gone fully woke or whatever. You know, I'm a pastor. I'm a guy that you can feel good about. While at the same time, you know, because he grabbed onto, you know, key issues that like student loan debt has energized the younger and African-American base of the Democratic Party. So Warnock has run a really good campaign, you know, in a state, still a tough state for Democrats. I mean, it was, you know, they hadn't won it until 2020, right? So it's right. not as if the, all these Republicans magically disappeared. And, and Stacey Abrams lost by nine or whatever it was. So big credit to him on the type of campaign that he's running to appeal to these crossover voters and also energize the base. You can do both. Yeah, just briefly to underline the point that you're you're making, uh, a runoff election is different than a regular election because there's only one yeah. thing on the ballot. So you can imagine people who would, would get up and go to the polls because there's a lot of other things they want to vote for. They want to vote for the governor. They want to vote for Congress. They want to vote for the state legislature or the state attorney general. This election, there's only one reason to get up, get in your car and drive to the polls, which is to vote for Senate. So if you are a soft Republican, you could imagine that person going into the polls on Election Day in November, but then thinking, do I want to go through all of this for Herschel Walker, just for Herschel right. Walker? Um, knowing mm. that the control of the Senate is not up. And again, it may not be 10 million votes. It may not be a million votes, but one or two percent to go. You know what? You know, like Jeff Duncan said, that he stood in line for two hours. He's the, he's the Republican lieutenant governor, gets into the voting booth, looks at it, goes, I just can't do this. I'm just not. <laughs> I mean, it's like, why? All of the rationalizations for voting for Herschel Walker just have evaporated. Okay, so since we're getting a little bit wonky here, let's talk about uh, Michigan, South Carolina, and Georgia. A lot of speculation about what the Democrats are going to do to change their primary schedule. I mean, it's a big deal. Demoting Iowa and maybe displacing New Hampshire as the first in the country. 
tell me what, what do you think is going on? How, how it's going to end yeah. up? I, well, I mean, I think Iowa boned them. They played themselves yeah, with the way they handled well, the last yeah. caucus. So I think they were, our, our screw, they made it easy. The Democrats yep. wanted to do this because just the diversity issue of Iowa and New Hampshire being first and having all white people. Um, which was ridiculous. And so, yeah, yeah which was ridiculous on its, on its face. And then Iowa made it easy for them to, to move it. So I do love the small state thing. So this has a personal, you know, implication for me because I want to go out there and, and cover the stuff for the bulwark. I miss it. I loved going to Iowa, New Hampshire. I loved the fact that they, you know, they had these, you know, that the people there actually cared. I was kind of hoping that they would replace it with another small state. I thought Joe Biden's there from Delaware. I was already planning out my summer next year. You know, you got Rehoboth Beach. Charlie, you don't, might not know about this. Gay Beach there in Delaware. We got a gay beach. No. You got, there are there are black people in Wilmington. You know, it's like America in miniature. But Delaware didn't make the cut. Joe Biden, I guess they thought that it would feel too biased or whatever. So they're pushing Michigan and Georgia, I guess, as the replacements. And I think that's fine. You lose a little bit. Yeah, so South Carolina will stay. We don't know what the order is quite yet. It seems like there's been Mm -hmm. some... uh, Jonathan Mm -hmm. Martin's uh, reporting was that Michigan was going to be first. Now it seems like there's some reporting that that maybe Biden wants South Carolina to be first. Um, So TBD on that. I I think you lose a little bit of having the big of of having a bigger state, you know, having a more of a media market campaign. But I've not spent a ton of time in Michigan. So I'm also excited to hear from our Michigan listeners where if it does end up being Michigan, where to hang out in the summer? Can I go to the UP? I've never been to Traverse City. I don't know. I could see a little Michigan tour in my future. It's easy for you, Charlie could drive over. Maybe we could have a little little bulwark event in Ann Arbor or something. That would be very cool. I don't know. Let's say you. So actually, the, the western coast on Lake Michigan in summer is yep. absolutely gorgeous. Now, you know you know how with Lake Michigan, picture it. Wisconsin, we have the western shore on the east side of the yep. lake. The beaches are completely different. I don't know really? what, it's the prevailing winds. They have these beautiful, gorgeous beaches in places like Sagatok and, and others, and, you know, towns, uh, New Holland, um, that that are have no relationship to uh, the coastline of Wisconsin, which is a little bit you know rockier, a little bit rougher. So uh, yes, summer in Michigan, especially on the Lake Michigan coast, is really special. It's really good. I highly recommend. Never it. done that. I'm excited to give that a try. The other thing I think that is worth noting that and I don't know if this is intentional or not, but the Democrats, the most liberal part of the Democratic electorate, is college educated whites. OK, and so demographically, like just making this change to, to Georgia um, and em- emphasizing South Carolina, Michigan, New Hampshire is a little bit different uh, because it ha- you have this independent, big independent vote, which Iowa didn't really have because there were caucuses. So there wasn't this crossover vote. So you did have, you, and New Hampshire kind of is like the one place where swing voters like actually make a difference in primaries, which I think is, is mostly a good thing. It is at times led to some weird outcomes like Pat Buchanan. And Donald Trump, so yeah. not always a good thing, but um, mostly a good thing. So in some ways, I think that they're moderating a little bit as well, you know, the states that have importance and giving more power to the older voters of color, uh, which which are a little bit more culturally conservative, you know, going to some states, you know, in the South, in Georgia and South Carolina that, that are going to have, you know, these, you know, Georgia in particular, these big Atlanta Metro Democrats, um, you know, who, who kind of, who are a little bit different than than their counterparts, you know, who show up to caucuses in Iowa. So in some ways, I think the other, that, that is, that's good about it is could have some moderating impact on, on the type, the makeup of voters in those important early states. Oh, well, have a great weekend. Are you going to be watching the World Cup? I'm not. And there's an ad on this podcast for another World Cup podcast. So I would never impugn one of the advertisers. But I got to tell you, Charlie, I, I can't even. It's so boring. 
It's just unbelievable how boring. I know that whatever this is, me, I'm a stereotypical ugly American or whatever. But I've tried. I put in my effort. I mean, literally, I guess in one of the games yesterday, the tiebreaker went to the team with the less yellow cards. Yeah, I mean, I like this is like a kindness points. I mean, there's zero zero. So no, I will be. I'll be suffering through probably Georgia's beatdown of LSU in the SEC championship on Saturday. And um, I'm I'm fully into I'm fully into basketball season. Me, I took the kid to. St. Mary's New Mexico game. I'm just I'm just getting deep on basketball right now and you can wake me up when the World Cup gets interesting. Well, you need to wake me up when the NFL season's over as a Packer fan. So I am I am desperately looking for some sort of <laughs> an alternative and I and I haven't I haven't found it quite yet. So I I am open to it. However, you know, for the and again, I'm a big <sighs> fan of the US team. However, um so 90 plus 90 plus 9 plus whatever other stoppage time there was for a grand total of one goal, I just I don't know what it is. I like my sports where they score points, but that's just me. I'm, I'm maybe I'll get a little action. Give me a little action, a little bit. Hey, have a great weekend. You have a great weekend as well, Charlie. It's good to be with you. All right. Well, we will talk uh, next week sometime. And thank you all for listening to this weekend's Bulwark podcast. I'm Charlie Sykes. We will be back on Monday, and we'll do this all over again. <laughs>